0: This is real There's power in your name. We trust in your ways. we need. Jesus is
1: real. This is the setting for this psalm. David was running for his life because people hated God and hated those who stood for God. And this is why he's saying, "Lord, you're everywhere. You know everything about me. You even think about me and you created me wonderfully, and I'm running for my life, Lord, Help me out. And brothers sisters, no matter what's going on in your life, God will fight for you. but you have to be careful because God will not fight for you often in the ways you want him to. He's got a better way.
0: You know when you're hiding from God. Even in sin, most of us think we're hiding and think we're getting away with it. but no matter where you go, He's there. As Pastor Daniel explains today, he not only wants to lift us up, but protect us as well. We may think we know what that would look like, but it's a struggle to accept God's way of doing things over our own. We go our own way, but he's always following close beside us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Come As You Are.
1: chapter 1 verse 5 before I formed you in the womb I knew you God speaking to Jeremiah and before you were born I consecrated you I have appointed you a prophet to the nations what this says is that God the creator even before you were a, a unified sperm and egg in your mother's womb God already knew you and this is why this is why the people of God have always Valued life Always Now I need to spend a little time with you And I need to talk with you about A very hot button issue in our culture And that is the issue of abortion Now before I start Let me say this This is a highly charged Political issue And what that means is that when it's a political issue It means it's all about for the politicians Getting elected or not getting elected Showing you who's to blame And why they're better I want to remove the discussion from politics and I want to leave it in the Bible. Okay? Because in our political discussion, if you are pro-life, it means that you hate women. That's the way it's characterized. If you believe in life, then you are misogynistic. And I would say that to say that if you value life and that makes you misogynistic, that's like saying, I am against the Holocaust, but now you're anti-Semitic. It's not logical. It's not logical. See, God values life because he created life. And God calls all of his people to value the things that he values. And God values life because God is the giver of life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So as a Christian, we are unabashedly for life. And as a Christian, we believe that part of being a Christian is being a voice to those who have no voice. And if there is ever a group of people who have no voice, it's children who are yet to be born. So we are unabashedly for life. Now, with that being said, we live in a soundbite culture. And what that means is that we have a tendency not to think Thoroughly about issues And I realize that 50 years into Roe versus Wade If you just make it illegal People are going to go back to having back alley abortions Okay So in our pro-life stance We also realize that we need to find a more excellent way Because the last thing we want is for women Whose hearts haven't changed Who are aborting children to be hurt in back alleys so we don't want to be soundbite-ish. We don't want to be Twitter-verse-ish about how we view these things. But at the same time, we need to think biblically and not culturally. We need to think biblically and not culturally. God loves life. Jesus died that we may have life. Before David was even in his mother's womb, God knew him. Do you realize that 50 years into Legalized murder We could have aborted the person Who was going to cure AIDS Cure cancer Created the most beautiful pieces of music Been someone just so kind And humble That every person they met Their life was lifted Because of it So if you're in here today And I realize Some of you you guys are You guys are just staunchly pro-life My only hope for you Is that if somebody isn't You love them still and you reason with them from a place of love and not judgment. Because a new law will not make a person righteous, a new heart makes a person righteous. Come out on a Wednesday night, we're studying. The children of Israel had the most righteous law in history, and they were all wrong because God's changing hearts. Now, if you're in here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're struggling, you're like, look, I believe in Jesus, I don't know about that whole pro life thing. You just need to ask, say, God, what is your view on these things? Listen, you guys know, I didn't grow up in a, in a religious home, in a Christian home, and so I got saved, and I, I went to battle with the Lord about homosexuality, abortion. I mean, I was raised totally different. And finally, I got to the point, like, Lord, not what I want, but what you want. You need to explain this to me in a way that I can understand. So you need to ask, why am I struggling with this teaching? If you're in here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, And you're hearing me and you think that I am misogynistic, and of course, a man telling women what to do with their own bodies. Right? If you're in here today, I don't think that you're crazy for asking that question, because I've asked that many times myself. But what I would ask you is is it really hateful of women to love life? Is that really a logical, quote unquote, way to deal with it to say you hate women because you actually love women enough to want them to be born? God loves life. Before a child was conceived in a womb by whatever means, God know that knows that child. Now, if you're in here today, and you've made mistakes in your past, I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've done, no matter how horrific it is, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are forgiven. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, no matter what you have ever done, no matter how many abortions you've had, no matter how many people you've stolen from, no matter all the awful things in your life, if you are here today and you say, Lord, I am sorry for what I've done. I receive your grace. I want to be set free from what I have done. Then the Bible says that you are freed indeed. That's the gospel. You could have been a mass murderer. You could have been the most horrific person who's ever lived. If you come to Christ today, then you are forgiven. God separates it all from us. And guess what? Everybody in this room's got stuff. Some of us are those Pharisees, just judgmental of everyone, looking down on everyone. I can't believe they're that way. Yeah, they need Jesus as much as the person who's who's gone out and done horrible things, ripped everybody off. We are all in this together, all broken in need of a Savior. And if you're here today and you've made mistakes, listen, let Jesus wrap you up in his arms. He died for this reason. This is why. So just come to him. Don't even be ashamed. He Come just as you are, all conflicted, all beside yourself. Just come to him. Just let him wrap you up and forgive you because he has done that. That is the Christian gospel. Because God knows everything about you. No matter where you've been, God was there. And God made you wonderfully. He did a wonderful job of creating you. Now, not only that. Look at verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This teaches us that God thinks about you more than you can fathom. God thinks about you more than you can fathom. This is beautiful. The God who knows everything, who's everywhere, who in all power created you, he thinks about you all the time. This idea of the thoughts are more than the sand. I I went, I tried to do some research. I mean, how, how many grains of sand are there on the earth? You know, and so I found a study. It wasn't the best study done, but it was done by the University of Hawaii. And what they found is they, they spent a thousand hours counting grains of sand. But you just say, thank God I'm not a scientist at the University of Hawaii, right? I mean, is there any, that's like cruel and unusual punishment. And what they found was, is they found their guesstimate was that the number of grains of sand are the number seven and the number five followed by 15 zeros, which is like a quintillion, So I don't know what that means to you. It means nothing to me. I just know there's a lot of sand. That's what it means to me. And that, see, that's what's amazing about God is that God knows we're all messed up, but he created us wonderfully. He knows everything about us. He's always where we are. And his thoughts about us are innumerable, immeasurable, beyond comprehension, infathomable. That's how much God thinks about you because he loves you. Because we think about the things we love, don't we? We think about it. Like, I like food. You guys know this. You follow me on Facebook. There's always a picture of some sort of food. You know, like, ooh, yeah, you know. For me, like, food is like a kid for me. It's like, ooh, look at that. It's so cute. And it's amazing. I wake up in the morning. I say, mmm, breakfast. You know, and then it's like mid-morning. I'm like, mmm, snack. You know, and then it's bad because you guys are all a part of this with me now. I have people that walk up to me. I got handed hot sauce this morning. You know, I didn't take any before I got up here, though. You know what I mean? But it's like people are like, here, here's some hot sauce. Here, here's some cannolis. Here's, a, you know, ginger. God bless ginger works in the cafe. I mean, every time I come out, she hands me something. And Sue Cotton, she's handing me coffee. And I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> we think about what we love. And God thinks about you because he loves you. He loves you. He thinks about you more than there is sand in the world. Do you believe that? That there is a God who knows everything about you, all the garbage, who's everywhere that you've ever been. He knows all of your thoughts before you ever thunk them. And, and, he thinks about you incessantly. This is why you can come to him just as you are. He knows it all already. Look at verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, if you read Bible commentators and scholars, they would all tell you that. This section just ruins a great psalm. Seriously, scholars are like, all of a sudden, it's beautiful. God's everywhere. God thinks about you incessantly. And then David's just like, Lord, will you uh, help by judging these evil people? And honestly, I've read it, it's like, man, it was a great psalm up until right then. But what's interesting is, this psalm by David is not a theological statement. This psalm is here because of what's going on in David's life. And David was literally running for his life. Numerous times. Read it. In First and Second Samuel, read what's going on. David is, being, is running for his life from King Saul, the king, who didn't like the fact that David was anointed by God and gifted. He's going after him. His own son Absalom leads a rebellion against him. He's got the Philistines all. This was not like nice, comfy, Brady Bunch Western culture. It was violent. It was a violent culture. And David is saying, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. There are bloodthirsty people. So what does this teach us? That the God who's all knowing, who's ever present, the God who created us, the God who thinks about us incessantly, it also says that this God will fight for you. This God will fight for you. God looks out for his own. Now, it's interesting that oftentimes God fighting for us looks nothing like the way we want him to. I mean, it's real easy to look at what David says, but I can't believe David would say that. But let's be honest, how many times have we really said that? Lord, can you just get rid of that person, please? You never thought that before? Yeah, we all have, right? Let's let's just be honest. Maybe like David, we're a little more refined. We wouldn't write it down. And I hope you don't tweet that stuff out either. But we've all just been like, Lord, if you could just get rid of that person, things would be a little easier around here. So can we agree that we all understand the sentiment? But what's interesting is David's enemies are those who are the Lord's enemies. Look at what he he calls them. He says, they're bloodthirsty. They're the wicked. They speak against the Lord. They take your name in vain. I hate them, O oh Lord, because they hate you. So what's interesting is that David hates the people who hate God. And listen, we just hate the people who we hate because we hate them. We can't blame God for our hatred. That's just our own garbage, right? It's our own garbage. We're not even lined up with the heart of God. Listen to Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase called The Message. took these verses and said it this way. He said, and please, God, do away with wickedness for good. And you murderers out of here, all the men and women who belittle you, God, infatuated with cheap God imitations. See how I hate those who hate you, God. See how I loathe all the godless arrogance. I hate it with pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. This is the setting for this psalm. David was running for his life because people hated God and hated those who stood for God. And this is why he's saying, Lord, you're everywhere. You know everything about me. You even think about me and you created me wonderfully and I'm running for my life, Lord. Help me out. And brothers sisters, no matter what's going on in your life, God will fight for you. But you have to be careful because God will not fight for you often in the ways you want him to. He's got a better way, a more excellent way than our way. His weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. Oftentimes, we want to give God a little help in fighting, don't we? Lord, we'll do it my way. Lord's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Your way is destructive. I have a way that changes the world. But God will fight for you. And then finally, look at verse 23 and 24 Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Brothers, sisters, friends, God will lead you in the way everlasting. God will lead you in the way everlasting. You notice here that there are two ways in verse 24 and see if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me the way everlasting. There's two paths. Now notice in verse 23, he says, search me, know my heart, try me and know my anxieties. David in closing asks, asks God to search him, to know his heart, to try him, and to know his fears, his anxieties. Each one of us each one of us, we don't need to ask God to do this because he already knows all this stuff about us. Everything about you, everything about me, everything about every person who's ever lived from every generation, he's, he already knows us. He's already tried us, weighed us in the balances. And for each one of us, there's one of two paths. It's either the path of wickedness or there's the path that leads to everlasting Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, there's a wide gate that everyone finds. The way is easy. It's easy street, but it leads to destruction. Then there's a a narrow gate. The way is difficult. Not a lot of people found it, but it's the way that leads to life. For each one of us now, It's time for us to choose a path. If you're in here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus already, you've committed your life to Him, we have to make sure that we let God continually do the work in our hearts. You've put your faith and trust, you're His kid, but is there wickedness in you? Let's be honest. There's wickedness in all of us, isn't there? There's rebellion. There's hiding from God, even in the midst of a ton of grace in our life. If that's you today, you need to say, God, change me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. David was a man after God's own heart, but yet he still committed murder, adultery, all sorts of things. He still loved God, though, but he was still wrong in some ways. So if that's you, you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus... You need to say, God, search me, try me, know me, know my fears, lead me in the way of everlasting. And we need to turn from our own way to God's way. For others of us in here, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But you know that you're here today because God loves you enough and so do your friends and people. They want you here today. And God knew that you were going to come here and you were going to hear that No matter where you go, God's there. That God knows everything about you, that he created you wonderfully. He thinks about you incessantly. And you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus today. And what's great, I would love to make that decision for you. I would love today to make you make that decision, but I can't, it's your call. But you're here today because you know, you know, You want to be on the path to everlasting life. An eternal life later and an abundant life right now. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. All that God has for you in Christ. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. We're going to pray. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to take that step with God. And you might be in here today and you might be like, look, my life's all messed up. I've made a million mistakes. I mean, you don't even know the half of it, Pastor Daniel. And everyone around you knows exactly what you're feeling because we're all here together. We've all made innumerable mistakes. But God's love is greater than our mistakes. God's forgiveness is greater than the things that we've done wrong. And God does not say, get your life together and then come to me. God says, look, come to me and I'll help you get your life together. You don't want to do it on your own because we don't know how to cleanse ourselves. Only he who is fully pure knows how to cleanse us. And he says, I want you to come and put your faith and trust in my son. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then Jesus said, it's amazing, for I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world will be saved to me. Why? Because the world is condemned already. See, Jesus didn't come to look down on you. He came to lift you up. Why? Because we're all condemned already. We all live like we talked about, hiding from God, running from God, being rebels in God's kingdom. And Jesus came to find us. And no matter what you've done, how many abortions, how much robbing, stealing, cheating, Judgmentalism If you come to Jesus today He will grab hold of your life He will wrap you up in his arms He will forgive you And he will make you fit for heaven And not just heaven later But heaven now On earth But you have to make that decision And in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity To do that If you're here today in the valley of decision Make a good decision Now is the acceptable hour of salvation. Now. Do it now. Flee into his arms, and you will be embraced by God, filled with his Holy Spirit, and your life will be forever changed.
0: Jesus is real. There is a God that knows everything about you, even the garbage. Because of that, you can come to Him just as you are. Pastor Daniel helped us to understand that God's heart is for us to be with Him, but we have to decide if we'll take the path toward or away from Him. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to Jesusisrealradio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will take us through Psalm chapter 22 and help us to recognize where God is coming from when it comes to our messy lives. He knows we can't handle it and will deliver us from it. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled The Top Ten next time. Until then, may God bless.